God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours through faith in Christ, our only Savior. Amen. Our sermon text is the gospel lesson from Mark chapter 9. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Powerball and Mega Millions have sometimes had jackpots of several hundred million dollars, even sometimes over a billion dollars. Now, what would you do if you won such a fantastically huge jackpot? What would you do? Well, financial experts, people who are a lot smarter with money than you are, financial experts say that if you win such a humongous lottery, you must keep your mouth shut. Now, it's a huge temptation to tell your friends and relatives, oh, guess what? I won the lottery. I'm a multi-multi-millionaire. Woohoo! Let's party. But no. Keep your mouth shut. That's because so much money makes you a target. A target for theft, for scams, even for kidnapping. And when you have that much money, friends and relatives come out of the woodwork to ask you for cash. And they no longer see you as you, they see you as a cash cow, as their own personal ATM machine. See, all these multi-million dollars that you have make people see you differently. They get a warped view of who you really are. Well, there were no multi-mega-million super-duper jackpots and uh, lotteries in Jesus' day. But in our text, we see that Jesus is fabulously wealthy, completely rich, rich and wealthy in the glory of the one true God. Our text describes it. Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were alone by themselves. There he was transfigured in front of them. His clothes became radiant, dazzling white, whiter than anyone on earth could bleach them. And Elijah appeared to them together with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Now this was the only time during his earthly ministry that Jesus displayed such glory. And it was only for a few minutes. But Jesus still tells his disciples to keep their mouths shut. Our text says, As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So why did Jesus tell his disciples to keep quiet about this wonderful vision of glory? Well, Jesus did not want to become someone or like someone who had just won a multi-million, billion-dollar lottery. You see, Jesus did not want people to fixate on his glory and then just forget about Jesus. Jesus did not want to think that he, people to think that he had come down to this earth to share heavenly glory with anybody who asked for it. Now, that's not the real reason Jesus came down to earth. The real reason Jesus came down to earth is quite different. And in the next chapter after our text, Jesus explains why he came down to this earth. And his reason for coming to this earth is not so glorious, at least not at first glance. In Mark 10.45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
And that's what Jesus is all about. His mission was not to dazzle people with His heavenly glory. You see, if people got consumed, if they got obsessed with His glory, they would miss what Jesus really came down here to do. Jesus came in humility to suffer and die, to pay the full penalty for all the sins of the whole world. And we see this play out in our text. It says, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because they were terrified. A cloud appeared and overshadowed them, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. Now, although overwhelmed and terrified by this vision of glory, Peter still wanted to stay basking in that glory. But that didn't happen because God the Father quickly held, uh, hid all that glory in a cloud. And then God the Father says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. God does not say, keep on gawking at the glory of Jesus. God does not say, yes, my son is co-equal with me in the Holy Spirit in everlasting, powerful, eternal glory. Therefore, you should be afraid of him. No, God doesn't say that. God says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. In other words, God is basically saying, listen to my son and learn from him about love and humility. Learn about his sacrifice for your salvation. Listen and learn that he came to conquer death and hell and Satan and sin and guilt. And he did this by his sacrifice on the cross, which is his own type of great glory. Now, after God had said, this is my son whom I love, listen to him, all that was there was Jesus. Our text says that they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus alone. So after all that dazzling glory, after the voice of God, all that Peter, James, and John saw was Jesus. They saw only Jesus and Jesus alone. Only Jesus. Jesus alone. Moses does not save you by his law. Elijah does not save you with his blazing chariot. And God does not save you by his glory. In fact, if you were to see that glory of the Mount of Transfiguration, you would be even more terrified than Peter, James, and John were. You see, none of these things saves you. Jesus alone saves you. That's because only Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. But also Jesus alone took on human flesh to suffer, to die, and to rise again. Jesus alone poured out his holy, precious blood to wash away all of your sins. Of course, you, you know all that. You believe all of that. I know that you stake your eternal salvation on all of that, only on Jesus and Jesus alone. But still, wouldn't it be great to have like some sort of super-duper spiritual mountaintop experience 
like the disciples had at the transfiguration? I mean, wouldn't you want an extra boost to your spiritual life by seeing the glory of God? How about a night vision from God where God himself speaks to you or an overflowing transcendental spiritual high? Or maybe uh, an event like Luther had when he discovered the gospel. Concerning that, Luther wrote, When I discovered the gospel, I was born again of the Holy Spirit, and the doors of paradise swung open, and I walked through. Now, maybe, maybe some of you have had such a super transcendental, wonderful, spiritual, magnificent experience. Good for you. But most of you, the vast majority of you, myself included, have not had such a fantastic, glorious experience. Good for you. You see, your spiritual experiences do not determine your relationship with God. Your spiritual experiences do not determine your salvation. Only Jesus and Jesus alone does that. Only Jesus lavishes his Father's grace upon us because he satisfied his Father's demands. Only Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, together, well, together with the Father, through word and sacrament to give you saving faith in him. And by faith in Christ, you possess riches. You possess the purifying blood of Jesus that washes you clean. You possess the perfect innocence and holiness of Jesus that covers you so that God sees you as his one and only Son, whom he loves. Yes, the blood of Christ, his holiness, the favor of God, the sure hope of eternal life. That's what makes you truly wealthy, rich, and prosperous in your spirit and in your faith. Now, it all works a little bit like this. Back to the lottery. You know, when someone wins hundreds and hundreds of million dollars in the lottery, that's big news. America has a new millionaire. But you know, that's not how most millionaires become millionaires. And to that point, in the USA today, there's about 25 million millionaires, people whose net worth is worth at least a million dollars. Now, the vast majority of these millionaires did not win the lottery. They don't even buy lottery tickets. They do not inherit a million dollars. They are not making something like $300,000 a year. No, the vast majority of millionaires became millionaires in a really boring way. They lived within their means. They saved aggressively. They invested at least 15% of their gross annual income in things like property and stocks and bonds. And they did this over 25, 30 years. And again, these net worth millionaires, they live in modest homes. They drive old cars. They do not live in, excuse me, they do not dine in fancy restaurants. They are frugal, not flashy. They do not live the high life. They do not look like millionaires. And that's exactly how they became millionaires. Well, something similar is true about your spiritual life. 
like I said, very few of us had this wonderful win-the-jackpot, mountaintop, spiritual high experience. But yet, so many of you, so, so many of you are spiritual millionaires. I dare to say that many of you are spiritual multi-millionaires or even spiritual billionaires. And how did this happen? Well, it's happened in rather a routine and repetitious way. You come to church and worship Jesus regularly. You study the scriptures and meditate on God's word. You take the sacrament. And you do this over and over and over again for 10 years, 30 years, your whole life long. Now again, that's not very flashy. It's not a woo-hoo type of spiritual experience. Instead, it's like how most millionaires became millionaires. Material wealth and spiritual wealth have this in common, that they grow and grow and grow with consistent, prudent habits. Now all this, what I said, is not meant to take away from the splendor and the magnificent of the transfiguration. No, we celebrate the transfiguration. We still marvel at the glory of Jesus Christ at the transfiguration. You see, the transfiguration proves that the man who went to the cross is not just any ordinary man. No, the man who went to the cross was and still is the one true God. And this only man who is God, this God who became a man, only Jesus and Jesus alone is your Savior. Only Jesus and Jesus alone is your priceless treasure of infinite grace and everlasting glory in heaven. Therefore, all honor, thanks, and praise be to Jesus now and forever. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>